Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dumb. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. Paperwork in. And we're live. (laughs) Working on it. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp. Spiteful.com. What's up, Jimmy? It's episode 193. Part of me always sat around and questioned, would we get to 193 uh-huh. specifically? Here we are, and uh, it's a landmark moment in our industry. <laughs> in our industry. Yeah. How you doing, Sean Ross Sapp and Fart? That didn't go well, Jimmy. I did think about calling you Jimmy Vandenfart. I think it would have been Vanderfart. Yeah, Vanderfart. Vanderfart works better. I understand that slips of the tongue happen, and, and it's live television, and I get it. How do you go from McIntyre to McInfart? How does that happen? Um, I, I think that he probably, in his head, had McInfire, maybe. McInfire? Yeah, maybe McInfire was, was a Freudian slip, but... Uh, you know, hey, we got we got super chats already. Let's let's go ahead and talk about that. Thumbs uh-huh. up, subscribe. We're on podcast platforms everywhere, but at youtube.com slash fightful. Leave a thumbs up, subscribe, all that good stuff. Donate a super chat, get your question or statement read on the air. That's what Anakin JMT just did. And he says, Jimmy, when will you make Melissa defend the Fightful Championship? The people demand a fighting champion. Well, I mean, technically she defended it last week by the looks of it. Oh yeah, she is undefeated. Uh, I, I think Sean Ross Sapp has had, Jesus, 12 or 13 defense or, uh, challenges now. I'll win it. I will and, win uh, it. 
And so uh, she, she is undefeated. She is on the Brock Lesnar schedule. Uh, for, fortunately, she, she's not quite on the Brock Lesnar pay scale yet. But Yeah, uh, I, I can't accuse her of not being a fighting champion, but I can accuse people of conspiring against me. More on that as, as it arrives. But, is that right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you got to talk about? Did you ever find out who, who was Stone Cold in your first match? Did you guys ever find that guy? I had, no. security, I had security in the building go looking for him. I'm sure you did. I did. I'm sure you did. And I did. I've, I've got some footage I'm going to roll in the coming weeks that, that, that give me more questions than answers, Jimmy. Okay, well, I didn't appreciate that guy coming in like that. That was trespassing. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, we'll find out who it was. Uh, I want to start out today by sending condolences to the family of Bob Ryder. Yeah. So I, I first got into this whole online internet wrestling thing back in 1997. That's when I started my very first website. Uh, that later became known as knowyournews.com and jimmyvan.com. And anybody that's a, a, you know only knows Fightful, if you're relatively new on the internet, you, you don't know my old site. But some people do, and some people have found us and asked me, are you the same Jimmy Van from knowyournews.com? 97 is when I started that, and way back then, there was only a handful of guys with any kind of notoriety in that world, most of which are still around now, you know, like Dave Meltzer and Wade Keller and Dave Scher, is that how you pronounce his name, Dave Scher? Yeah. Uh, from, from BW Insider. Bob Ryder was one of those guys. At the time, Bob Ryder and Dave Scher were part of One Wrestling, and then Dave Scher ended up leaving One Wrestling to start PW Insider. And uh, so Ryder was one of those guys. I think he was the first guy that ever did live chats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember him being part of AOL, and I, I read his bio when they talked about Prodigy. Prodigy, I think, is, is a little before my time. But I remember he was part of AOL, uh, and I remember him doing stuff with the WWF long, like in the early infancy. And then, of course, ECW. He was a big part of ECW. He had a travel agency, and he handled travel for them, too. Uh, and then WCW, of course, he did uh, online stuff with Jimmy Borash for WCW. Uh, most recently, he, he worked for Impact Wrestling. He was in Jeremy Borash's ECW documentary as well. Oh, was he? Hardcore, which I highly recommend. Okay. Uh, fantastic documentary. That's where I first actually, as a teenager, learned Bob Ryder's name was okay. the Forever Hardcore documentary. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, he, uh, he, he'd been around a long time and he was actually the guy who came up with the idea to do the TNA weekly pay-per-views. He was the guy that told, uh, that gave the idea to Jeff Jarrett that said, you know, I think it's time, good time to have another wrestling company and help them come up with that idea. He had been around a long time as one of these behind the scenes guys and he still worked for Impact Wrestling. And, uh, unfortunately, I guess he was battling cancer and was, and was, uh, undergoing chemo. I haven't heard a cause yet. He, he had been battling cancer for years and years and years. I remember in 2012 when I worked for OneWrestling.com, I remember he was in the hospital. Oh, he was. Okay. With, with cancer. And, uh, I got my start at One Wrestling. I gained a lot of valuable experience there. As I told you, I never worked with him directly, but he was always associated with the site, obviously. I worked more directly with Bill after, but reach out to Bill. He was devastated by this news. Oh, sure, he would be, for sure. And definitely send our condolences to the the family and friends because he, he'd been involved in wrestling for a very, very long time and uh, would do a lot of stuff with, with TNA wrestling, with their travel. I think he was the travel director there. Yeah. But, uh, man, it's, it's a bummer. It's always a bummer to hear about that. He helped out a lot of people. Did he still own one wrestling technically? I'm not sure. I'm not sure where the okay. ownership lies in that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but he was definitely one of those guys that I, I knew of for going back sure. 20, 25 years. And so definitely my condolences to his family. And uh, 
a guy that a lot of people knew. A lot of people knew, not only behind the scenes, but a lot of wrestling talent knew him too. You know? Yeah, and it's you know, you always hate to hear stuff like this. It's it's tragic and too soon, and especially uh, the, just the way that a lot of people assume cancer. But um, we we don't have that information as of yet. But do you know his age? Do you know his age, John? I don't know his age. Okay, no. I don't either. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's that one's too bad. And uh, I guess from that, uh, let's segue to this next thing. This weekend, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. They're gonna sucker me in, Sean Rossap. I'm gonna yeah, I'm watch that it. show. I'm gonna well, yeah, but you get to expense it. But I'm gonna watch that show. <laughs> get to expense it. Oh, we're, I figured not, you were gonna. I figured oh, you were we're not, gonna. We're not. We don't have to expense it. I'll say that much. Oh, okay, good. Well, uh, uh, they're gonna sucker well. me in because yeah, I was a massive Mike Tyson fan, as so many people were in the '80s. I was a massive Mike Tyson fan. His his uh, fights back then was an event. You know what I mean? Yeah. An event. Like, weeks in advance, you would anticipate it. Uh, and you always... There was always people on, on two, two sides of the fence. Some would be pissed off when you beat a guy in 90 seconds because they think, Jesus, I spent $80 on this pay-per-view and you beat him in 90 seconds. And then the other people would be like, he's just so amazing. He's so awesome. Yeah. You know? So, uh, I'm gonna, not, not to take anything away from Roy Jones Jr. Because Roy Jones Jr., incredible athletic specimen and, and one of the best of all time in his own right. But I'm a long-time Mike Tyson fan, so I'm going to watch... What do you think is going to happen in that fight? How many Nothing. rounds did you say? How many rounds Nothing. did you say? It's it's like it's an exhibition. Exhibition, yeah. I mean, eight, they're saying rounds? Can't, they're saying, oh well, you can't knock anybody out. There's no scoring because it's an exhibition. No cumulative scores. No winner will be announced. What? They're going to have some celebrity judges remotely. Yes, that's so. What I'm you're going. saying is this is not going to be the same kind of exhibition as Apollo Creed versus Ivan Drago. That's what you're saying. Yeah, so I mean, if if they suffer a bad cut, it's over. Um, eight rounds, two minutes each, which I, I love two minute rounds. That's good. No headgear, which is good. No headgear. Um, no headgear. How did they say no knockdowns or knockouts? I don't get it. How's that it's work? It's an exhibition. It's like a sparring match, is what it is. Oh man, uh, they they had to undergo medical testing, and I think they they did VADA. I think they did the voluntary anti doping agency, which is just like. Why? <laughs> I mean, we already know that Mike's going to be hopped up on uh, on you know marijuana at the very least because he's got his what? own ranch. That is such a weird thing to say. He's going to be hopped up on marijuana. You sound like you're from Reefer Madness. Like okay, first off, I didn't say it like Vince McMahon. Okay, hopped that didn't that up. didn't happen. Yeah, it's just a it's just a term I just threw out there, kind of like How Mac and Fart. I just threw it out there in your life because it doesn't get you hopped up. <laughs> it's just terminology Stop I use. Up. You know, sometimes, Sean, sometimes you, you spend... Go into that fight high on weed? I think there's a good chance. Uh, Jimmy, what the hell are you talking about? Okay, so let me just tell you this, and I'm not going to go into, into massive detail, but let me just tell you this, okay? And I might have told you this on the air before. I know people in the sports memorabilia world, right? Mike Tyson in that world has a bit of a reputation for being a bit of a loose cannon. And during the fight, Jimmy, well, his first fight in 16, 17 years, hopped up. He's going to be he's going to be relaxed, Sean Rossap. Yeah. Well, if he's on weed, he's going to be relaxed. That's what I'm saying. He's going to be relaxed. Oh, come on. He's not going to smoke weed before the fight. You you could be very surprised. Don't forget, you're the one that said WWE is not going after contracted talent. 
that, that? Okay, well, first off, I didn't say they weren't going after contracted talent. Yeah, you did. Yeah, no, you did. I did not. I Which wish Camillo you, could pull Jimmy, up clips in Jimmy, real time. I wish he could do it. Do you have any idea how many fighters I've worked with? I've never, never, never once. And let me tell you, I managed some potheads in my day. Not a one time did one of them say, you know what? I need to spark up before the fight. Right before the fight. Well, I, I okay, first off, I never said right before the fight. I didn't say he's going to walk down the aisle. You, you insinuated he was going to be high in the I ring. Think, I think he's going to be calm. Yes, I do. Oh, my this God. Is not a regular, this is not a regular fight event. This is not like a... <laughs> no shit, it's not. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you can't compare Mike Tyson to the fighters that you've dealt with. This is he's not the same thing. Why? Why would he? He could just wait until, I don't know. After the fight and smoke weed. True. <laughs> well, although you remember Nick Diaz. Remember Nick after Diaz? No, no. Nick Diaz had it in his system, and then they accused him of not being able to absorb more punches. In his system. Yeah, and that was debunked by everybody who knew anything what they were talking about being able to absorb. Was more. that debunked? Well, I never heard that. By anybody that has any any common sense, Yes. Okay, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. It was it was it officially debunked? Was it officially debunked that well, that what is officially debunked? Well, because you you can't you can't just no, but no, no, whoa, whoa. You can't just say anybody that's ever smoked it will tell you da da da. That's not good enough. That's okay, not good enough. Jimmy, do you know anything about thresholds and 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 the levels that were associated there? His levels, from what I recall, yeah, were so low that they were like, no, this didn't really affect anything, much less let him absorb more punches. That's what they said at the time. They did absorb. Who more did he fight punches. that night? Who was it that he fought that night? I don't know, but he hasn't won in like ten years, so it hasn't helped him. No, kid, something, right? Wasn't it? He fought in the UFC against Kid Something. Not kid Something. He, he the only fight that he won was B, against BJ Penn. He lost against Carlos Condit, and he tested positive for marijuana after the fight. No, this this was not a UFC fight. This was might have been Strike Force. Oh my god! You have to go back and look it oh, up. Oh, I, I know, I know. It was the Gogo Plata. I know, I know. It's Takanori Gomi. That's that was it. That was it. That was yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. Him smoking weed did not help him land a go-go plata, one of the most rare finishes in the history of MMA. Well, I remember watching it live at the time because he took, he did take a lot of punishment because Nick Diaz always did, and he did take a lot of punishment. And I just remember that that was speculation at the time. I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to suggest one way or the other, but that was speculation at the time. Evan Wright says, "I hope he lights up mid-fight, and go crazy." Well, with these rules. You never know. Yeah, no, but I was going to finish my story for people. So I, I know people in the sports memorabilia world that told me what a loose cannon Mike Tyson can be, and that his handlers—and I don't even know if they want me saying this, but I don't care—his handlers would take Mike out back every like half an hour, and and light one up with him, and then bring him back to the table because well, because yeah. he, he had the reputation of being a real loose cannon. Well, the fortunate thing here is though it's eight rounds, two minutes each. They can fit that in that thirty-minute window for you, Jimmy. They could. They could. And and you'll be able to say, uh, Sean, you couldn't prove it. We only saw him out there for a half an hour. Sean, let me tell you something. Back. Let me tell you something. Smoking and th this, this is a lesson for anybody that does a podcast with you, all right? Just because you raise your voice and just because you talk over people doesn't mean you're always right. Yeah, but it doesn't you're mean you're always right. saying that Nick Diaz could absorb more punches 
because he had like no, I never, I never said that. I said speculation was that that's what happened by dummies. Maybe I'm just saying that was speculation. That's what it was. No, that was that was not speculation. That it was, was that was like conspiracy theories. Whatever, like but even speculation even... and conspiracy theories are not the same thing. It is wild to imply that Mike Tyson in his first fight in like seventeen years is going to go smoke weed before, <laughs> right before the fight. And, and it's even... not. This is not real. This is not real. Like this is not like a regular. He's not out there looking but to even, contend for the title. You know what I'm saying? But even why? Like, why would a, he do that? Why would a person do that? Even Mike Tyson, who has spent a lot of time training and promoting for this, even though it's not a real thing. Like, you know, maybe at 11 a.m. that day, and then an hour after the fight. He ain't going to go in there high as a kite. <laughs> Come on. We'll see how it plays out, Sean. <laughs> yeah. to, me, to me, it's a spectacle. I mean, I heard one of the Paul brothers is on the undercard. I heard. Nate Robinson is, too. I don't know if you know who that no, is. No, who's, who's Nate Robinson? Well, okay, so when he gets in the cage or the ring, he won't look that small, but he was like one of the shorter NBA players. He's like 5'9". Uh, he had a pretty good career. He, had a, he actually blocked Ma- Yao Ming one time, which was hilarious. Is he a trained fighter? No, but I mean, also he is, and I mean, an elite, elite athlete. Like he is, but he's he not a trained a, fighter. No, no, but I mean, why do they do this shit? I mean, I know why. It's uh, I know, I know. Yeah, it's a freak show. That's Who else why. is on the card? So that's two fights. Is there anything else on that card? Uh, yeah. Let me see what's on there. There was something else on there that that stood out to me. But the Nate Robinson thing, like he is an elite athlete, five foot nine. He won three slam dunk competitions. Ain't going to translate to hitting people in the face unless he smokes weed and he'll be able to absorb all kinds of punches. Maybe they're going to bring Danny Bonaducci back out of retirement, put him in there too. He died, didn't he? No, he didn't die. Well, sorry, Danny Bonaducci. I didn't mean to imply that you were dead. I, I remember he was in like really good shape. Yeah. At one point, like he was shredded. There was always but, certain like B level celebrities that would do stuff like that, like Donnie, what's the guy? Donnie Marie, that guy. You yeah, know, he, he, he suddenly they would show, yeah, they'd show him doing stuff sometimes like that too, you know? So, next Badoo thing I want to. Badoo Jack is on the show. Um, he's a, a legit boxer. Okay. Taking on an undefeated fighter. Uh, Jake Paul is facing Nate Robinson. And then, actually, an interesting fight Rashad Coulter, former MMA fighter. Uh, has moved to boxing. He's taking on Hashim Rahman Jr. So, and like, if you're buying the pay-per-view, you got like MMA versus boxing. You've got an actual boxing fight. You've got a celebrity freak show fight, and then you've got Mike Tyson high as a kite facing Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> Rahman Jr. That's Rahman's son, former heavyweight champion Rahman's son. Yeah, I believe so. Really, really. Oh, that's so, interesting. I mean, there, there's a little bit of something there. Like, yeah, I'll be checking it out. I'll be checking it. Out. But I'm, I'm not expecting a whole lot. This is not like a real fight card to me. This is kind of a joke. I'm excited for next week when they use a smoke machine for Tyson's entrance. You'd be like, <laughs> see, right. see, I told you. That's exactly what's going to happen. Next Fine, thing, guys, I- donate a super chat, your question or statement. Uh, and I know that there were, I guess there were a little bit of issues with our super chats. I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, I don't it know. Seem like they're working now. I wish that every week we could talk about something even remotely controversial about Sasha Banks. I wish we could do it every single week. Just say she's going to smoke weed before her next title. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, I, I, I wish we <laughs> could because it, she's such a polarizing character. You and I knew this. And it's amazing how you know some people really, really love her and some people don't. But the ones that love her, love her. 
yeah. And they get so personally offended if you were at, at all critical of her. They get so personally offended. There were, people, after me. there were people calling me names on social media, all because I, I was critical of, of some things Sasha Banks has said. There were some people, Sean, who tried to make it about race. Which you uh, and I, which you and I know, is completely ridiculous. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but some some people got so personally offended that they tried to make it about race, which is just absurd. And there was one guy on YouTube, Sean, and you know my wife, so you're going to smile. There was a guy on YouTube that said, "Ah, uh, that guy only knows white women in North America." Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you posted videos of your children. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And let me ask you this question, Sean, because I know you deal with this. How often do you think how often do you think people comment, say, on Twitter to something that you post without actually reading the article that you've linked? Oh, all the time. All the time. And so that individual that posted that thing, you know, alleging I don't know white women in uh, in in North America, he did that knowing nothing about me. He did that doing zero seconds of research. If he did, he would know that my wife is brown and that my kids are mixed, just like Sasha Banks. So, oh, man, there you go. There you had go. A, had a couple crazies flood my Instagram thing, like a bunch of pictures of my wife. Like just man, it, people get real weird over wrestling, man. They, they do. So and, 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 and the thing that's really foolish about it is it's one thing if you say something just very rude and derogatory mm-hmm. about somebody. Right. But when you're just constructively critical. I, I just oh, don't yeah. understand. I don't understand. Like people get so personally offended. So like you know? I, I do that stuff for I do some uh, basically opinion columns for Wrestle Talk magazine. I don't do a lot of opinion columns because I found out that people get really divisive mm. over stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if if you want to hear my thoughts on something, you're gonna have to hear my thoughts on something, mm. and you'll you'll have to seek out the clip. Uh, otherwise, I'll probably debunk it. But usually, I, I like for because people will take like a couple words and be like, "Oh, well, you based your entire thing on this." Honestly, a lot of people like that are really lazy, and they just they want they want to be upset about something, right. especially something as trivial as wrestling, right. which is my passion and I make my my livelihood off of. But like, man, guys, I I promise people aren't going to last that long in wrestling if uh, if. That's the way they're going to go about their criticism is they're going to go uh, racially or, or gender motivated. I mean, right. we've seen them come and we've seen them go in the last couple of years. People that thought that they were edgelords over shit like that. It just doesn't mm. work out for them. No, and, and this is why I don't take online criticism uh, personally. Like you and I have talked about it for years. And, and credit to you, you've gotten a lot better than, than you were four and a half years ago when I met you. But th- this is why I don't take this stuff personally is because I realize a lot of these people, there's miserable people. They're not happy in their lives. The first thing they want to do is shit on you. And uh, that's why, you know, my life is good. So I don't, I don't, I don't need to, to argue with these people. I just don't. I don't argue with anybody on Twitter anymore. You've I gotten mean, a lot better. You have gotten I'll a lot better. I'll dunk on people. But, I mean, also, like, people going out of their way to message my wife and stuff like that, which happened as recently as a week and a half ago. Right. Somebody <laughs> – that's kind of funny. Somebody said – do you know that your husband's on Twitter talking about doing moms? <laughs> and did Camillo finally stop when you complained about that? Or God. <laughs> God. I had to delete comments yesterday. Like oh, pictures yeah? of me at a toy store. And then people were like, just like commenting ridiculous stuff. And I had to delete and block people because of it. Just uh, 
I don't know, man. It comes with the territory. Yeah. People got to stop being weirdos, man. There's just a lot of unhappiness in the world now. I don't know. And, and, and they feast on negativity. Yeah. It's just what it is, you know? We, we feast on super chats, especially this one from Rob Wilkins. He says, R.I.P. Bob Ryder and Fred Sasakamoose, one of the first Canadian indigenous hockey players for Chicago. Jimmy Van and WWE saved their money by settling with the firefighters. Oh, wait, you want to talk about that now? Well, we'll get let's get to these super chats and then we'll go right into that. All right, okay. David Dickers says, "Good evening from the Netherlands." The Netherlands, 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 yes. Netherlands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> #Hollander provinces #NorthHolland South Holland South Holland callback. Evan Wright says, "Is it wild that I popped like a madman for the John Silver announcement? I genuinely think he's a star. Top flight working uh, the hybrid too is also awesome." John Silver's getting a lot of opportunities. Uh, the, the the match with, I think, Hangman Page, that's a big opportunity. Yeah. Dynamite and this John week, yeah. John Silver's got over on his own personality, Jimmy. Yes, I agree. Taking the mask off him was good. And yeah. uh, and uh, he does have a lot of personality. He's like this little spitfire, you know, uh, spark plug kind of guy. You know, he, he, a little bit like a Chad Gable, like a little, you know, kind of muscled up athletic guy. And good for him. I mean, he, he basically, you, you give a guy an opportunity, and, and they got to try to make the most of it, and he's doing it. Good for him. Anakin JMT says, best advice I've heard this week. Don't listen to criticism you wouldn't go to for advice. That's really good. It reminds me of Bill After, who told me, uh, if they don't know you personally, don't take it personal. Uh, uh-huh. that's, that's pretty good advice, too. And uh, some that I shared with, with Jack of Cultaholic, like, this person probably spent 10 seconds saying this dumbass thing to you. Don't give them any more than that 10 seconds. If you want to dunk on them real quick, whatever. Just get rid of them. Get them out of your life. I, I've Before last year, I never blocked anybody. And boy, has that changed. That block list, they're going to have to start... They're gonna have to start like applying for parole on my block list pretty soon. <laughs> I got it's it's overcrowded in there. Uh, Evan Wright says Daniels wrestling Jericho is a great thing. Yes, it is because Christopher Daniels told me that was one of his goals in AEW. He's never had a one-on-one match with Chris Jericho ever, Jimmy. These guys have both been around for like 25, 30 years, mm-hmm. and they've never had a single match. Yeah, always different companies, I guess, and and. Uh... Yeah, you know Jericho. He reminds me of Daniel Bryan and and even the Undertaker in that they want the opportunity to work guys they hadn't worked before. Yeah, and Bryan's been doing it, and uh, and Taker in the I want to talk about Taker in a bit. Uh, Broken Skull Sessions. He talked about you know I, I I thought I was done, and then AJ Styles called me, and <laughs> I never I had never wrestled AJ Styles before, and he got lured back in because he wanted to do it. When when you've gotten to that level. They've done everything. There's only one thing left to do, and that's get in there with guys you never had the chance to work with before. And Jericho's saying, doing it. I'll keep saying I, I'll talk about The Undertaker later, actually. I'll save that for there. But uh, the firefighter lawsuit, Jimmy, I'm sure you got some unique uh, takes on this. It's going to be an interesting precedence established. And, and for me, that's the main thing out of it is I want to see what kind of precedence gets established. You know how these things work in lawsuits? Whenever something happens, then if something similar happens in a lawsuit, they'll go back to something like that, like that as precedence in order to help them win. And uh, so this is going to be very interesting. So it was back in April uh, that uh, WWE shareholders filed suit against WWE as well as executives like Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, a bunch of others, alleging that they acted without the best interest of shareholders in mind. They alleged that they violated the Security Exchange Act, 
they claimed that back in March of 2019, just days before the end of the quarter, which is key, I think it was March 27th, so it was just days before the end of the quarter, Vince sold 3.2 million shares of stock, valued at $261 million. He got an inflated stock price for it. Uh, and then that was a down quarter. And obviously yeah. Vince would have known that that was a down quarter and was able to sell all that stock at a higher price before the, before the, the quarterly results came out that lowered the stock. Then on top of that, uh, the shareholders allege that WWE hid the fact that they owed money from the Saudi government prior to Crown Jewel. Uh, and when all that news came out that they owed money and then the flight got delayed coming home and stuff, you know, that, that stirred up some negativity as well. WWE tried to get the suit dismissed. But that was denied, and as a result of that, they decided to settle, and uh, they're settling for $39 million. They claim their insurance is going to handle it. I'm sure that's probably not going to do good things to their premiums. Yeah. But uh, they claim that their insurance is going to handle it, meaning that it shouldn't affect their cash. But for me, the big thing is precedence. Were you surprised by this? Like, did this surprise you? Because how many lawsuits do we see that just don't go anywhere with WWE? This one had the most validity to it. Uh, because of the fact that to me, the Saudi thing, to me personally, I didn't think the Saudi thing was as big a deal as the, as the stock sell off Yeah. because the stock sell off to me made perfect sense. I mean, again, it was what, three days before the end of the quarter, Vince mm-hmm. sold all that stock and he wasn't the only one other executives did too, but he sold $261 million worth of stock at a high stock price three days before the end of the quarter, knowing that was going to be a down quarter. I mean, come on, that's, 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 that's kind of black and white to me. And so, uh, no, I'm not surprised that, uh, that uh, something happened. But again, to me, it's all about precedence. So now we're going to have to watch and see what happens if they're ever in a situation again where they know, like, for example, the quarter that we're in right now, Q4, this is going to be a down quarter for the company. And they've already kind of said it's going to be. But I don't think the stock's going to take that significant of a hit to the point that Vince is going to want to sell a bunch of stock prior to the end of the quarter thinking that the stock's going to nosedive. I don't know if it's going to get to that level. But they're going to have to be careful now. Because if they do stuff like that, and you know that this shit happens. I mean, the corporate world is yeah. very, very dirty, and there's a lot of backroom dealings, and it's just very cutthroat, and that this shit happens every day. But now they got to be careful because now there is a precedence. And now if something like this were to happen and there was to be a similar lawsuit, they can look to that uh, as reason for a settlement. And I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of these uh, class action lawyers salivating. And I bet oh, yeah. you – remember when I was telling you that if you go on, the, on uh, one of the, the websites that had WW's financials, they would show all the press releases for all the class actions, mm-hmm. and they were coming out all the time. It's like every week there is another one, and there is another one. All it is is these, these money-hungry lawyers looking for, for a payout. I guarantee you this is going to make that escalate. Yeah, I was going to ask if you if you thought that this would accelerate that, and apparently so, because, I, I mean, it, it goes to kind of a point that I think that Eric Bischoff has made in the past. Like, basically, I don't remember the exact figure, but he said that a lot of times if you would sue Turner for, like, $1 less than $100,000, they're just like, let's settle. Let's right. get this hell out of here. Not worth our time. It'll cost us less to, to settle. And a lot of people saw that and were like, oh, okay. And it accelerated that. Um, I think WWE will be smarter than that. Like, I, I, I think that uh, that they're not just going to pick a dollar figure and just say anything under that, just throw some money. I don't, I don't know about that. I think that they have enough legal muscle that they can probably make a lot of this stuff go away. And they attempted to in this case, too. I do think it's going to escalate the class actions because class actions is a common thing. Class actions is basically a money grab. That's all they are. And oftentimes you'll see these calls where a lawyer wants to start a class action 
and he's looking to get people to sign on in order to make the case bigger. They did it with the, uh, with the head injury thing with WWE. Remember the concussion thing? And they got yeah. all these wrestlers to jump on. Cousins. Yeah, and that was why they did it. They didn't do it because they, they had a case so much as they wanted to just get all of these plaintiffs in order to make the case bigger and bigger and bigger, hoping mm-hmm. for a settlement. And WWE basically said, bring it, uh, and, and won. But there will be definitely more class actions coming as a result of this. Uh, I guess what we're going to have to see is, will any of them go anywhere? But there- You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. There will be more, for sure. Well, hopefully we get more super chats, guys. Donate those. David Dicker says, so now you know it's the Netherlands. Name a fact that you know about it that isn't about drugs. Uh, I mean, I know that Alistair Black is from there. Boss Rutten is from there. <laughs> Jermaine Durandamy, Alistair Overeem, Marlous Kunin, Gegard <laughs> Musashi. I know plenty about it, my friend. Mm-hmm. So keep on, keep on giving me that trivia and those super chats. I got to tell you a quick story. I got to tell you a quick story. I might have told you this story before. Got to tell you, I was in Amsterdam one time with some friends. Oh, oh boy. And, and uh, I'm sorry, what's, what's the gentleman's name again? David Dickers? Yeah. Okay, so he'll know this. So Holland is very big on like bread and cheese and meat for breakfast, right? It's like, it's like, a, like a thing in Holland. And when I was in Amsterdam, I was told that there was a section of town that had like a breakfast district, right? And so my friends and I decided, let's go to this breakfast district and get a nice Dutch breakfast. Well, we got lost, and we're walking down the street, and the street's barren. There's nobody on the street except for one guy on a bike, Sean, right? We see one guy mm-hmm. coming on a, on a bike. Have I told you the story before? I don't think so. Yeah, so we see one guy coming on a bike. I say to my friends, let's ask this guy, you know, where the breakfast district is. Guy's about 100 feet away from us, falls off, falls off the bike, hits the ground like that, right? <laughs> And we watch him fall off, and he's swearing in Dutch, and he's kind of yelling, and he gets up, and he's dusting himself off. And my friends are like, let's just keep walking. And I said, there's nobody else here. We have to ask this guy because there's nobody else around. So I kind of walk up to him not knowing what to expect, and he's mad, and he's dusting himself off. I go, excuse me, sir, uh, can you tell me where the restaurants are that we can get breakfast around here? And he looks at me mad, and then he goes... Oh, yeah, uh, two blocks down that way, turn left and, uh, and go another block. It was like National Lampoon's European Vacation. Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah. And you know uh, who's the British actor? Eric Idle. Yeah. And Eric Idle's like, oh, it's over there, and blood comes gushing out of his arm. Remember? <laughs> oh. it, was, it was basically like that in real life. 
That's what happened. How many times have you been to Amsterdam? Just once? Uh, I've been to Holland four or five times. Okay. Uh, but Amsterdam, the last time I was there, I think I was in my early 30s, and uh, I didn't go with family. I just went with friends. Sounds like a so. fun time. Sounds like a podcast of its own. A lot of things uh, that you hear about are true, Sean Ross. <laughs> have, I ever, have I ever told you about the blue lights? You have not. <laughs> I'll save it for, I'll tell you what. The list goes on, FIFOSelect.com. I will tell the story of the blue lights Ironically, in Amsterdam. I have a hard out today at 420. Yeah, you told me. There you go. <laughs> Got my shopping done. Happy Thanksgiving, you all. Hey, Tim, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, uh, especially your father. I uh, hope he had a good birthday. You what, mate, says, thank you, guys. I'm really enjoying Fightful's content. Keep up the great work. J.K. Schwal says, A.J. Swoggle popped me with A.J.'s old theme. I thought that was freaking hilarious. When somebody told me that's what was going to happen, yep. I was like, there's no way. And then I saw it, and they had, like, little tights made and everything. Yeah. I do they need funny, Jim. Do they need any kind of rights for that? No, that was that was all stuff that was like his Titan Tron there, his theme song there. I plus it's Gallows and Anderson, so yeah, I'm sure so he'd be that, okay with it. Yeah, okay, because they did have his name on the screen, and I think yeah. AJ technically owns the rights to his name. But you're right, it's Gallows and Anderson. He's not going to yeah, do nothing. I think it's a lot like when they used Bret Hart's stuff for the the fake thing that Sean did during the the Hogan. A Hogan feud. Uh, Justin Lopez says they're striving for attention, but you have to have thick skin and realize when you respond to their BS, they win. The block button helps too. Boy, Justin, have I learned that following your Facebook group and some of the people that comment there. Sean knows I don't respond to anything. Like like someone shits on me on Twitter, I don't say anything. To me, (laughs) (laughs) and I know, and I, I guarantee you, Sean. After these people send me like a, like a mean message, I bet you they're refreshing over the course of the day. You know, you're not going to see a response. I'll so. tell you what you could do. You could just leave wrestling altogether, like Nydia did. I've got an interview <laughs> with her up over 40 minutes long, and I got a little bit of a clip for you here talking about uh, some advice that Batista gave her. Check it out. Yes, I was um, running home. So I moved to Louisville. I didn't think I was going to be there very long, right? I was just like, I'll be there for a few weeks. And then, you know, <laughs> on the road. So naive, right? So um, I stayed at like an extended stay and I didn't have a car. And I would jog to the gym, get my workout on and jog back to my extended stay. And on the way back, I'm jogging and a car pulls up next to me. And I look, and it's Bautista, and he rolls his window down. He goes, get in the car. So I got in the car, and he's like, hey, man, you're rubbing everybody the wrong way. And it's like, it's stuff that I didn't understand because I did get in the business so quickly. And um, I don't don't know the the rules, you know, or these unwritten rules. And he's like, you're coming off like... um, not respectful and then you're winking at people i was like man i wink at people because it may- i'm so nervous it's like you guys are ginormous it's like a whole new world i left my home i don't know what i'm doing so it's you know yeah <laughs> it's like it's actually like a nervous thing and he um he kind of like told me how to behave in a locker room you know and that really helped and um when i got on the road the deadly boys gave me a hard time and he was with them in that group yeah and he really stuck his neck out for me. So I will forever be grateful. And then the Dully boys were fantastic. But, you know, at first they were, they were a little rough until he came to the rescue. And we're back. 
<laughs> Jimmy almost almost talking over us coming back. We're talking about Robert Irvine. Yeah, Robert Irvine, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Stephen Pitt, uh, by the way, guys, check out that interview with Nydia. Please show it some love. Share it. I've got a 7,200-word feature that dropped from that. Stephen Patrick, or Fitzpatrick, leads us to our next topic. That segment with Undertaker on Survivor Series was one of the worst things WWE have ever produced. Thoughts? thought it was pointless. It was hard. It was hard. There was only so much they could do. I really felt for Kane. Sean and I talked off camera about this. I'm convinced that's a rib. You're not going to convince me otherwise. There was a picture... Ah. There was a picture somebody took, and I sent Sean the picture. Uh, and what, it, the, what the picture showed was, so all the guys that were in the ring, you know, Flair and Triple H, whatever, they were all lined up on, like, two sides of the ring, and Taker was sit, or Kane was standing by himself on the other side. And Ric Flair was, remember Ric Flair? Ric Flair staring at Kane, laughing his ass off. And I saw that, and I thought, that was a rib. They did that as a rib on Kane, but... Uh, it was very difficult. I, what everybody seems to be saying, and I agree, is that they'll wait for people to be back to do the Hall of Fame, and then yeah. Taker can have his live moment there. Yes. And then they'll probably do something at WrestleMania, too. He'll go to the ring at WrestleMania as The Undertaker and, and do something. But uh, it was a tough situation with no live fans. It was tough. It was the perfect day. It was the perfect event. It was the wrong time. That's all you can say about it. I love that you, you can't even say that Mick Foley was actually in his gear because he also wore a vest. So even he wasn't in his gear. Yeah. Oh, that was such a fantastic rib. Whoever decided. To I do felt that. for him though. Did you see? Did you see his face? I don't he, care. Well, <laughs> it was funny. He wasn't was happy harmless. about it. He wasn't happy about it. But, it was uh, harmless. Oh, I yeah. Love it. It was, now the one thing I heard too, because I, I saw you on the on the post show, you were talking about like what the hell was the point of that? They got they were in the ring for five seconds. As soon as Vince got out there, they all left. The one thing I heard, even though of course this is not very smart when it comes to COVID. Uh, I heard that they did a party for Taker afterwards, and that the I, reason they brought those guys there was to have a party. That's what yeah, I Yeah, I mean, they were hanging out all weekend. Okay. Yeah, they were all together all weekend, but I, I looked at it, I was like, well, the, the lightning music was really stupid. Yeah, it was. Having all those people come out, and, like, I would rather just have heard them say a, a minute or two of, of, like, testimonial or something about him. Right. Um, I don't think that... Undertaker will have a match again. I do think he'll choke slam somebody in the future, and a lot of people will say, "Well, he's unretired." Right. Now, Austin throws out stunners all the time, and he's retired. So, like, yeah, Taker did say so on on Broken Skull Sessions, the the new one. He did kind of address that, and he did say, "I could go out to the ring and do a choke slam." And he said, "That's not really me." I mean, what the um, hell? It's, it's been him for a long time. Well, you're right. You're right, I guess. But I, I do think but that when he goes to the Hall of Fame, I, I think he'll do it then. Yeah. Because you're there for that kind of thing, and that's, that's his opportunity to get that live reaction. But uh, I guess we'll see. I wanted to say a couple things about the Broken Skulls thing. The first thing is you got to get Teddy Long for a blue chew spot. I would like to. Got to get it done. Like, like when, when Taker started talking about Mae Young saying Niagara, I, I was losing my shit. Watching that. I thought that was awesome. And Steve Austin was the best guy for Taker to do that, that interview with. Because those guys were in the trenches together for all, so much stuff. He was the perfect guy to do that with. Like, I, I really enjoyed that interview. thought it was really good. Uh, I wanted to ask you, and this is kind of a hard question, uh, favorite Undertaker memories or moments? 
Oh man, there there are a lot. The American Badass Return was one for me. Um, I wish that I was there for it because it was in Kentucky, but that was one for me uh, because he came back and it was a great transition for the Attitude Era. I, I love that. Also, Shawn Michaels Undertaker last two in the Rumble in '07. They just they had like a match after that, and I don't know that I've been as excited for the finish of a Royal Rumble as that. And really, Undertaker putting a lot of the the in-ring of SmackDown in that era on his back, I thought that was the best in-ring era of his career in his mid-40s when I never thought that he'd be a full-time guy again. So that that's probably some of my – I really love that, that era. But 07 Royal Rumble, that finish, that was really great. It's too bad that when he started, the business was so different. Because what I loved about The Undertaker when he started, and he's talked about this in interviews too, you know he would be the slow, plodding guy, but he had explosiveness when he wanted to. And, yeah. and when he first started out in WWE, 91, 92, around that, that time, you would see it in spurts. Like he would be you know, walking slowly across the ring and doing everything slowly and no selling, whatever. But then he'd explode off the ropes into the high clothesline. Like, he had that explosiveness in him. It would have been great if he could have done more stuff in that era with Shawn Michaels. Uh, there's some matches he did with Bret Hart, uh, say, like, Madison Square Garden shows or something, 92, 93. They were good matches. Yeah. Because Taker, again, he just he, he was very athletic for a big guy, and he, he could go from zero to 100 like that. But because, it, because of the era, it was still kind of the land of the giants. It was still, still kind of the Hulk Hogan, slow-plodding wrestler era. He didn't have the opportunity to showcase what he could do. It wasn't until 10 years later when all of a sudden you had all of these, these athletically inclined guys in the ring that he was able to do it. So one, one yeah. taker thing that I always loved, and it might be on YouTube. So you know how he was always very protective of his character, right? Yes. And even when, when wrestling got, got popular in the mainstream and they started having guys go on The Tonight Show and stuff, he was still pretty protective of his character. You didn't see him do out-of-character out of stuff very often. He did a thing on The Tonight Show when he was the American badass where they wanted him to have a pillow fight. Have you ever seen that? No. So see if you can find it. So The Undertaker's on The Tonight Show, and, and this was... He was still probably, what, late 30s, early 40s Undertaker... Uh, still like physically in great shape, still very protective of his character, but he's on the tonight show to talk the way that you would talk on the tonight show. Yeah. And they wanted him to have a pillow fight. He was swinging that bag, Sean. (laughs) Taker, Taker was swinging. He didn't do it. (laughs) Oh no, he did it. He did it. But because he still had the undertaker mentality, he was swinging for the fences. And if you, if you can maybe find that clip, and I've always remembered that because I remember at the time, I still remember at the time seeing that live and thinking to myself, they want him to do what? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I watched that thinking, he's going to kill somebody because he was still say, so protective. Jimmy, if you want to swing a little bit more than a pillow in the bedroom, <laughs> if you're tired of being slow and plodding and you're ready to work like a big man... <laughs> BlueChew.com has you covered. If you want to up your work rate. If you want to increase your work rate, even in your mid to late 40s, and act like you're in your prime, maybe you want to outlast the field, so to speak. BlueChew.com, code Fightful, has you covered. It's got the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in a chewable form, and it's ready whenever you are or whenever you're not. Maybe you need that motivation. You don't have to have a problem to use Blue Chew. There was nothing wrong with The Undertaker in his early to mid-40s, but he stepped up his performance. 
His dick went from the dead man to the American badass in no time. <laughs> and yours can too with BlueChew.com code Fightful. It's prescribed online with BlueChew affiliated physicians to get you the active ingredient you need. Ship straight to your door. No doctor's office. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. You don't want to do that. You'll feel like it gets you there quicker than The Undertaker ever got to the ring for one of his entrances. My God. BlueChew.com code Fightful. You get your first shipment free when you use that code. Just pay $5 shipping. That's it. You're going to love this stuff. You're going to feel so confident in your performance. Oh, man. They'll, they'll be laid out. You'll have to, you'll have to conjure a sit-up out of your, your <laughs> partner after this. If your, girlfriend, you. if your girlfriend's 36 and you want to be pushing 40? Mm. <laughs> BlueChew.com, code Fightful. Hit them up at BlueChew on Twitter. Let them know you heard about them from us. We have a couple more Super Chats. David Dickers says, Jimmy call Nether calls the Netherlands. Uh, okay. Jimmy calling Netherlands Holland still hurts. The story did f sound very Dutch-like, though. Fun fact, the Dutch owned New York but sold it. Seems really? like a bad I, investment. I didn't idea. know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, and we also have Evan Wright saying, your tweet about questions for Omega really opened my eyes. In one week, he had the Ironman match with Pac. Then the same weekend, him and Paige versus the Bucks. That is a hell of a weekend for sure. Um, yeah, might have something on that front. But uh, what else you got, Jimmy? Got to talk about talent demos and uh, uh, television demos, I guess I should say. I'm going to credit Brian Alvarez for this because he brought this up. Uh, Wrestling Observer, probably the only time I'm going to credit Brian Alvarez for anything, especially after that Roman Reigns comment. But I am going to credit him for this one because he's the one that kind of brought this to my attention. So last week, AEW Dynamite beat Raw in the male, to female, male and female 18 to 34 demo. Now, yeah. the 1849 demo was the key demo that advertisers care about. But in the male and female 18 to 34 demo, Dynamite beat Raw. Now, one thing that Alvarez said that I disagree with was he tried to spotlight talent under the age of 25. That was a gauge that he used, talent under the age of 25. And if I'm being very frank, I think he did that on purpose because his narrative in that particular uh, conversation was to shit on WWE. And, and by picking an age range of under 25, it made it easy to shit on WWE and it fit his narrative. And I think that's why he chose that age range. He said that at Survivor Series, there was only one guy under the age of 25 and Dominic Mysterio. That's unfair to me because, number one, you're excluding NXT which has other guys under 25. And number two, to be a, an elite-level guy on the main roster, you typically have to have years of experience. I don't think this man is going to devote a lot of money and television time to you if you don't. And so I think using uh, under 25 as a gauge is unfair. What I did do, though, is I looked at the under 30 age bracket, and I looked at Survivor Series, and I looked at Dynamite last week. And there is something to this. So what Alvarez was suggesting is that males and females 18 to 34 watched more of Dynamite than Raw last week because they want to watch their peers. That was kind of his suggestion. So get this, Sean, Survivor Series, there were four guys on the card under the age of 30. Can you think of uh, who they were? Four under the age of 30 guys yes. or guys and guys, girls? Guys. Dominic Mysterio. Yep. Um, maybe Buddy Murphy. Nope. Oh, he was, was he, he wasn't even on the show, was he? No, or but he's over, he's over 30. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Under 30 on the show or the pre-show and the show? The show, including the Battle Royal. 
Oh my god. So now I'm just trying to think of people under yeah, 30. I'll just say it to 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 so Dominic Mysterio, Humberto Carrillo, Angel Garza and Otis. Otis, Otis is, isn't 30. Otis is 28. Wow. So those four at the Survivor Series. Dynamite last week and you have to remember, Dynamite is a 2-hour show. They're not able to showcase everybody every week because it's a 2-hour show. But last week Dynamite had seven guys under the age of 30. They had Top Flight, uh, Darius is 21, Dante is 19, MJF is 24, Sammy Guevara 27, Kip Sabian 28, Ricky Stars 26, and Darby Allen 27. Then on top of that, pretty frequently they feature Jungle Boy and Phoenix. Yes. Jungle Boy is 23, Phoenix is 29. So I think there is validity to the idea that younger, de- younger demos are watching AW not just because the creative is better, but because they're interested in watching their peers as opposed to all these guys in the late 30s, early 40s. I think there's validity to that, that idea, which is why I wanted to mention it. I just think that using under 25 as your gauge is unfair. I, I, think, that's, I think both of those points are fair. I think you're, you're right. I think they do want to watch their, their own peers more. But, yeah, that, that is sort of a disqualifier. Although I got to say, you know, Jimmy, I won't often admit that you were right, but you were right about the pushing 40 thing, except Otis is 20. He's 28? He's 28. Yeah. I mean, if you look at his face, if you look at his face, no, but if you look at his face, he does have a young face. He has a baby face. Sure. You know, you just have to get past everything else, you know? Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Survivor Series. I don't, obviously, I'm not going to talk everything because people can uh, can go to Fightful and everything is there. I just want to say, number one, Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I, I knew going in Drew was going to take the fall because Roman is the hottest thing, and I know that AEW fans don't like to hear this. Roman Reigns is the hottest thing of all of, in all of wrestling. Nothing in yeah. AEW right now can touch this Roman Reigns. Nothing. He's the hottest thing yeah. in all of wrestling. So you knew that he was going to win. I loved how that match was put together. I understand Michael Hayes produced it. I loved it. They sold me at one point when Roman hit the spear and he hooked both legs. Yes. When he hooked both legs, I thought for sure that's it. And Drew still kicked out. I loved that match. I loved how it was put together. Both guys came out looking great. So, uh, so I wanted to mention that. I loved Bianca Belair's performance. And I know that people were kind of, and, and, and justly so, I think, they, they thought, why didn't she just beat Shayna? You know when Shayna does the choke and then you roll through for the pin? Yeah. Uh, and she did it to Ruby, then, but then Ruby passed out, remember? They yeah. could have just done that. And, and Bianca could have gotten the pin, and Shayna wouldn't have looked weak uh, getting pinned like that. Doing the choke and having Shayna look like an idiot when the referee's counting in your face, it didn't do anybody any favors. But aside from that, I thought Bianca did tremendously well. And what I really liked about her performance was that they made her look like the equal of Nia Jax. Usually Nia Jax annihilates everybody. And they made Bianca Belair look like her equal. And, uh, and I really, really liked that a lot. I thought that was good. I'm, I'm even not really upset about the booking of Lana because Lana's always booked to look like this fluke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the only thing I didn't like was Raw. I didn't like her handling on Raw because she got a title match. In theory, you make more money if you're the champion. The title match is thrown out because of interference. They turn into a tag team match. Lana's totally cool with it. They win a meaningless tag team match. Doesn't mean anything, and Lana's ecstatic. That, to me, did not make any sense. Uh, but otherwise, I didn't, I agree. Mo- I didn't mind I mean, her booking at Survivor Series. Yeah, there, there's a lot of frustrating points to that. It's like... I hated when commentary was like, what? Lana in a title match? No right. way. She, it was a month ago. Right. She did it a month ago. So it's not that unbelievable. Right. No title? 
for the tag match? Why? Right, right. So, I yeah, completely I agree. Completely agree with you. That was so stupid. Yep. Didn't make any sense. I mean, there's a lot of things that aren't making any sense right now, but that's one thing that didn't make any sense. Uh, I want to ask you about a couple of big events that are coming up. So NXT War Games is on December 6th, and they've announced Undisputed Era against Pat McAfee's group. TLC is on December 20, and uh, the rumored main events now are Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman. That takes me to Braun Strowman. Jesus Christ, what's going on with Braun Strowman? What the hell happened to to Braun Strowman? They're about to give him a push, I think. He's not the same guy at no, all. And, no. and what I would fault, love to know. Fault. Their fault. And I completely agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. I would love to know some of the, some of the little things that are being done. Because, you know, sometimes it's all about the little things. Mm-hmm. Braun Strowman, when he was at his hottest, prior to the Nicholas debacle at WrestleMania, when he was at his hottest, Braun Strowman was always cool, calm, and collected until he got mad. And, and yeah. he didn't get mad for every little thing. He would get mad when he's in the, in, the, in the heat of a match, and then he'd tear shit up. And that's what people loved about him. He'd be cool, calm, and collected until you pissed him off, and then he tore shit up. Now, he's getting mad for everything. You know what I mean? It's like he's in the ring on Raw, and because Adam Pearce called on him last, he got mad? Yeah, it's You so know what stupid. I mean? I watched that, and last I thought to myself... Last but not least, what's that supposed to mean? Right. Like, I just saw that... he said, not least. <laughs> it's it's so it's so bad and then he would get so mad at aj because aj said he was the captain of the team and he'd get so pissed (laughs) like i just he's uh it's so frustrating evan wright brings up a good point braun lance archer is a knockoff me stroman man i'd much rather have lance archer's booking at least he he can stay perpetually over because he, he still beats people up and destroys stuff. And even in defeat, he looks good. Oh, right. man, so frustrating. He's not anywhere close to where he was, no, like in any, in any capacity at all. And I know that some people will say, what do you mean? He was the universal champion. He, uh, you know, he, he won it at WrestleMania. Yes. He's not anywhere close to where he was, not just in his handling and not just in his presentation, even his look. Yeah. He had this unique look. He had a different haircut. The singlet made him look good. Now we, we now he looks like one of the Truth Commission, like like I joke about, you know. Yeah, he does. Like he does. It's, it's. I mean, I'm all for him updating stuff. I mean, he couldn't wear those pants that were like sewn together forever, right? But I mean, you can update that. He doesn't have to look like Recon and Sniper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's really really unfortunate. Uh, he's just he's nowhere near where he was. He's not even close. And that's a shame because they should have went heel Roman Reigns after Undertaker and babyface Braun Strowman came after him. Right, right. Because Braun was over as a babyface because everybody hated Roman so much. Very yeah, yeah. And, and again, his, his character was just different back then. He was just different. He was always cool. He, he would walk out and he was calm and cool and everything. And he, he just, oh, he's so different. I just, I don't know what happened. Seth Rollins. So he's off TV now until Becky yeah. has the baby next month, right? Yes. Do you do you think that he, that he's going to return as a baby face to challenge Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship? Either that, or I could see him being like like overly cheesy, happy that he's just had a child type of thing. Like I think that was something that he could really that he's seen the light because he's been given the gift of childbirth, <laughs> which would be funny as hell and he could pull that off maybe he I, would encourage maybe he'd encourage buddy and uh what's what's the daughter's name again alea 
Oh, Aaliyah. <laughs> Encourage them? Oh, no. Maybe. <laughs> oh, God. Now I'm wanting this because I want him to be like like coaching them. Yeah, coaching them. Yeah. And Mysterio would be like, hey, slow down. Just like, yeah. They get, they, they get a hotel room and he pops up between them under the covers. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. Justin Lopez says, let's be honest, if COVID doesn't hit, and Roman doesn't back out. Braun wouldn't have uh, been the champion. He would have been in the Battle Royal at Mania You're right. again. You're right. He wouldn't have even been in that. You're because right. If if Roman wouldn't have backed out, Braun ain't on the show at all because they don't have a Battle Royal. Do you think that they held Braun off intentionally thinking Roman was going to pull out? No, I no? don't. I just think it was a, a circumstance, and they are like, oh, well, there you go. Uh, right. Ray Callahan Jr. says, Rollins is going to fix the Heath Slater gimmick. Oh, man. Ray oh, Callahan he's got a ways to go yet for that one, but yeah. Ray says, Braun hates being last. No main events then. Cool. I like some of his work. It's just... Oh, I mean, he, don't get me wrong. Like, he has worked very hard. And and you, you see the physical transformation that he's gone under under the last few years. He's gotten himself into the best shape of his life. He's got a lot of personality. I mean, you saw it. You interviewed him over SummerSlam weekend in Toronto. He's got a lot of natural personality. I've seen some of his strongman footage from his strongman competitions. And even then, in the strongman competitions, the guy had personality. He would play the crowd. How many of the guys do you see in those strongman things? They have no personality. They go uh, out there, they do what they're told to do, and then they, they leave. Braun was playing up the crowd, and he was talking to people. Like, he's got that natural personality, which is why he was so over as a babyface that, again, would, would act cool and calm until you made him mad, and then he'd break shit up, and, and it was very entertaining. He's just completely fallen off. And, and, completely and, agree. Yes, and and uh, hopefully they can remedy him. But obviously, going after Drew as a heel, probably losing to Drew, it's just not going to do him any favor. It's not going to not going to do anything more for him. It's just, it's a tough situation, man. It is. Uh, I want to ask you about Zelina Vega. Mm-hmm. Is it true that after she was notified of her release, she asked to talk to Vince, and he shut her out and would not talk to her? I don't know if he shut her out. Okay. He was. She was just told that, from what I understand, she wanted to say goodbye, and she they she was told, well, he doesn't want to do that. Um, I don't know if like they went to him and right. asked or anything. I'm just told that she would decline. There was a lot of people saying like, oh, we're removed from the venue. I didn't hear anything about that. Right. I, I heard wrestlers were being very amicable to her, but I talked to somebody on Raw, and they were like, that's no surprise. He doesn't meet with people that work for him. Why is he going to meet with somebody that he just fired? So. I mean, I mean, I will say this, and I, I don't want to go off on a big tangent about the locker room, uh, but I will say this. Back during the Attitude Era days, how many times did we hear stories coming from top-level guys, not lower-level guys, elite-level CM Punk, Edge, uh, Brian Danielson, elite-level guys who would say, I sat out in front of his office for six hours. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And finally, Vince talked to me. How many guys today do you think are doing that? I bet you under 5%. Under 5%. Yeah, and uh, it, it's just getting more and more hard to do this with Vince. So, ah, oh, man. Well, I guess that's uh, all we got because you, you're on a time crunch today because your fancy little schedule. Yeah, we won't say what it is in case uh, it doesn't happen. Which so we got Brog Lesnar for an exclusive. <laughs> yeah, I'm braving the elements of canada or or whatever the hell wherever the hell he is regina um, regina as regina. bruce buffer said as bruce buffer regina. said regina 
Yeah, no. My re- God, guys. Regina, leave, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. Leave us a thumbs up. I can't tell you how much that helps us. Leave a thumbs up. Subscribe. Tap that bell for notifications. Subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. We're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcast, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.